This episode is sponsored by Podgo. We use Podgo to monetize all of our podcasts and get paid within 24 hours. So if you're a podcast, want to get paid, be sure to check out Podgo. That's P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. That's Podgo dot C-O. And be sure to enter our name in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. See you guys in the episode. It's the language of the universe. But I don't understand it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Math and Physics Podcast. I'm your host, Parker. And I'm Ray. And we welcome you to episode number 69, where today <laughs> we're going to be talking about the fundamentals of of electricity not me laughing at a funny number <laughs> not 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 either of us laughing not at this that, funny no. number we actually thought why not make this i don't know a little a little bit of a meme episode but then we're like you know what let's stick to what the podcast does best podcast yeah so today we're going to be talking about electricity electrostatics maybe We'll even touch on magnetostatics, Ooh. but we'll see. We'll see. This this entire topic we've talked about this before. We, we had an episode called like our courses or something like that, where we, we just talked about like our favorite courses and like favorite mm -hmm. exams and things like that. Mm -hmm. This was a while ago, but um, yeah, I remember Ooh. I mentioned that like my the favorite. Our like my favorite topic that we did in physics was, of course, electrostatics. I we did that. we learned Gauss's law in first year. That was hype. Uh, hmm. What else did we do in in first year? Like in first year, we mainly just learned like the like just what electricity is, all the formulae, point charges, distributions of charges, yeah. and just understanding that a lot about cool. electrostatics. No, no dynamics, right? In first year. No, no, no. Um, I don't know. But yeah, that was my favorite subject. Yeah. And so naturally, I was pretty excited for electrodynamics in second year, which was absolutely awesome. Because once again, you keep learning more math. And then that math just helps you even more in physics. And so you learn math, you learn physics, you learn math, you learn physics. And then mm -hmm. it all like, it all comes together, right? You learn, you learn uh, Gauss's law in first year. But you're doing surface integrals. Mm -hmm. In reality, you have no clue what's going on. Um, but once you actually, you know, you keep going in calculus, you start learning about uh, line integrals, surface integrals, flux integrals, and uh, what else? Stokes theorem, divergence mm, theorem, theorem. All and them. then and then you see how literally like like the divergence theorem is. Well, it you know you use it for Gauss's law. We're getting so complicated, it, but yeah, <laughs> it's it's so beautiful. It's so yeah, be no, when you no, actually I, understand I, it, mm -hmm. so beautiful. I what I do agree with was is is the beauty in all of these equations mm -hmm. and and a lot of this electricity is where you see the application of the math, and I think we've like said this so many times on the podcast. We're mm -hmm. we're even though it is the math and physics podcast, we are I think more geared towards physics. At least I am, and I know yeah. for a fact that Parker is as well. So. We have a, a slight larger on like um, what how how do I say this like a beauty for physics because we apply what we learn in math 
into these high level concepts mm-hmm. and then we see what happens in real world right like in yeah. math as we've mentioned again i don't want to get too much into that but again seeing its application in electricity and electric fields and stuff like that is where you can really see how such a simple topic like electricity you know you see it everywhere such a simple yeah. topic can get so so complicated you know but at the same time like it's complicated but math wise you can you can theory wise well no you can break it down right into like easier and then like you learn about gauss's law and you're like hey this can get pretty complicated but then you you start to you get used to taking advantage of symmetries of certain Mm. distributions and then it, it like it becomes so easy it's ridiculous you know like you take the you take the surface integral of like a cylinder but it, in reality, it's just going to be like the curved part. It, you know, this is a specific mm-hmm. example for like yeah, for like a line distribution or whatever. But it just becomes so easy, and and but it's all because of the the sophisticated math, you know, mm-hmm. quote unquote sophisticated that 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 you're using. And so, anyways, um, today we're gonna try to not leave it out, but we're trying. We're we're gonna try and focus on the physics of it, on like the theory of it. Right, mm-hmm. not not mm-hmm. too much of the equations and stuff like that, but more of just the relationships of those equations, and hopefully we can focus on that. For right. Sure. So I think I think yeah. today's episode will be really cool because I've always wanted to, I've always thought like electricity is a cool topic. So here we are. Right. Before yeah, yeah. we get into it though, news. Let's get some For news. Sure. In. For sure. So some news. Let's start with statistics. We get downloads. We're at one sixty one thousand. Whoop Let's whoop. Go. Let's go. Almost at two hundred guys. Or right. we beat that one fifty mark. Were we at 150 last episode? I think we were, no, right? No, we don't do 10K in a week. We don't do 10K in a week, so no, then we weren't yet, at 150. Yet. Okay, okay, decent, decent stuff then, decent stuff. So, yeah, we're at 150 where we topped that. Let's get ourselves to 200,000 downloads. That would be really, really cool. Mm-hmm. You know, big milestone there. 250, imagine half a million. Yeah, that crazy. Would be insane. <laughs> quarter. Be, quarter. No, sorry, quarter, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> quarter of a million, sorry. You know what I meant. And uh, lastly, our followers on Spotify still going strong at 10,800. Let's go. Let us get to that 11,000 mark. Quick reminder, everybody, to follow the podcast wherever you're listening right now. Not Mm -hmm. only should you follow, you should go on YouTube, subscribe, leave a like, and also leave a comment underneath this video. Why? Because we do comment of the week every single week on this podcast. And the yes, winner sir. this week is Harshad. He says, this channel is so underrated. It should have at least 70,000 subs. The intro music makes me dancing every time. This is a, a side from the, the comment. The intro music is utterly beautiful. We've had actually some hate comments on the... <laughs> Yes, we have not, not some hate enough. comments. Not 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 That's... hate, but like dislike on the yeah. intro music. Yeah, we yeah, have yeah. had that. Yeah, yes, yeah. but no, we're staying strong with the intro music. Um, but yeah, he says, "I uh, love the informational videos. Don't ever leave this channel for God's sake." If you awesome. do Spotify, at least, but you know, we're not gonna post only on Spotify True. and YouTube. So, so True. don't worry, don't worry. Mm-hmm. We will be talking about physics on the week on the weekly mm-hmm. basis. Where did he get the seventy thousand from? I feel like that's such a I random. Know. I think it, I think he just multiplied by ten. Or, oh, so just by, okay. by a hundred. Okay, from, oh, yeah, from yeah, the subs we have. Yeah. Um, well, thank you, uh, Harshad, for a beautiful comment. And as Parker, as you just said, comment down mm-hmm. below for the mm-hmm. comment of the week, for right underneath that like button. 
So go hit that. Last thing before we actually get no. Last thing before we actually get into the podcast. This week or this past week, uh, we did like a poll thing on Instagram, and we have our final final design that was chosen by you guys and it's like the logo that we put on top of the spotify covers and all that stuff and the youtube as well the one with the little planet um we're we're gonna be doing a giveaway of that t-shirt in black so the details are gonna be coming out the details for the giveaway are gonna be coming out this week on instagram so make sure to go on instagram Mm -hmm. at math.physics.podcast to enter the giveaway i think we're gonna leave it open for like a week let's say so you have a week i think yeah probably Mm -hmm. something like that yeah yeah this is mainly Uh, mainly for our ten thousand uh follower follower mark we wanted to do it and a lot Mm -hmm, of people mm -hmm. are appreciating it a lot of people Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. them like like the simple designs also other people or some people are saying like we should do every colorway with every with both logos and things like that, which we will do. The reason we had like the poll and you guys pick which one is because we're only giving away one for the giveaway. And just for your information, it's going to be like embroidered, like high quality. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not going to be like just like printed or, you know, whatever. Anyways, point is we're giving away one. But eventually when we like when we have enough like time slash money to get like a website going and like the the whole operation behind the merch we will be releasing like all types of colors and all types of logos and things and whatever so don't mm-hmm. worry about that <clears throat> yeah all right that's fun. about it it's gonna be fun okay so let's get uh let's get straight into this juicy podcast mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so before we, we start even... oh yeah no i think we, I... we go ahead <laughs> So confusing. We don't know who's going to start. So I was thinking we start by talking, even before we talk about electricity itself, we talk about, well, what makes electricity flow, right? That is commonly known as the electron. So let's dive a little deeper into the electron and the nature of a point charge, right? Mm -hmm. So we understand now, before we get into this, right, the basics, we know that all atoms, proton, neutron, electron, and we also know protons and neutrons are huddled up very, very, very close, very uh, tightly knit together in the nucleus, right? So these, these guys are comfy. However, the electrons are always, you know, just flying about, about the nucleus, depending on what model of atom, obviously, you like to choose to look at. They're flying about. And every atom has the set of um, valence electrons. So valence electrons are the electrons on the very last shell of any atom. Now, these electrons tend to be mobile. That means they're, they can easily be knocked out and one can easily be added in, right? Depending on the number of valence electrons they have. And almost every, every, I mean, every single atom has this configuration. The only ones that this doesn't really apply to are the noble gases, right? Because those have eight valence electrons and those guys are good. They don't want any. They don't want to let go of any, right? Now, when we come to other atoms you know, such as copper, silver, and stuff like that that we're going to that we're gonna be talking about, these guys, their electrons can be moving, right? They're free to move. So the advantage of that is when you put a lot of these atoms together and you knock one electron off, just one, 
it starts this chain reaction between all of these atoms that basically continuously knock these electrons off and basically what we call the flow of electrons, right? So again, even before getting into like the whole charge and that understanding, this was, I think, a very simple explanation of what, what is electricity, right? So when we put these atoms together and these electrons from, these, from the last shell of these atoms are just flying, like flying together, right? So one is going to another atom that kicks the electron to the next mm -hmm. one. So the next one kicks the electron at the next one. And it just keeps going like that until there's, well, one side and the other side, right? And then there's flow of electrons which is what we call electricity. And uh, I'm going to use this analogy in like a couple of minutes, but it's uh, pretty useful to think about the flow of electricity just like the flow of like a liquid. Mm. Because, you know, it, it, you, I mean, it is like just electrons moving along, right? But it, if you look at it on like a macro scale, you kind of zoom out a little bit. It is a lot like, like, fine grains of sand you know like so fine that it pre it's pretty much like a liquid you know and i'm going to use this later on when we talk about conductors but um but yeah about it um mm -hmm. so the very first thing that you learn in electricity is the point charge or i think you could talk you can call it like the test charge or something mm -hmm. but there That's there's two that, yeah. right there's a positive and there's a negative by convention you know, it, it doesn't matter what you really call it. But we said that the electron has a negative charge. And we say that, like, the electron has, like, one unit of, like, negative mm. charge, right? Mm. The actual charge is, like, what, like, negative 1.612 times 10 to the negative 19 joules. Mm -hmm. Uh but that's just like, you know, the, the SI value. SI unit, exactly. When, like when I think about an electron, I think of like one unit of like negative charge. Mm -hmm. And um, Well, so that would just be electron. Wait, wait, I mean, yeah. I don't want to. Okay, yeah, yeah. the, the electron <laughs> volt. I thought you were going to like kind of come into that. I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Well, <laughs> the, I was going to say like there is a, there is a, a unit called mm -hmm. the electron volt where it, you know, as Rayhan said. But the point is. <laughs> point is that there's a positive and there's a negative and i love every time i talk about electricity and electrostatics i love making the connection to gravity because okay you have in electrostatics you have positive negative and opposites are attracted to each other and the equals the if you have two negatives they repulse two positive they, they repulse and you can set up problems where you know you have a positive and a negative that are attracted to each other and the thing is you can kind of mix your knowledge of like gravity dynamics mm -hmm. and also electrostatics um because we had this one problem on our first year um what's it called our, our first year physics exam the second semester where it was like imagine you had a planet that was donut shaped and then the, there was a moon on like the axis of the donut that was oscillating back and forth through the donut hole. And the way that the way that I solved this was, you know, you I thought of the gravitational field of the donut as an electric field and how it was affecting a charge moving mm -hmm. back and forth. 
because essentially this was like this wasn't a, a gravitation question this was an electrostatics question I, I guess you can call it electrodynamics but um mm-hmm. you know it we i used the i i think i think i used gauss's law but you know you just replace the constants and it's it all works out the same mm-hmm. and uh yeah that's mm, like so I, electro- I, I love mm. i love those types of questions yeah mm. so electrostatic so you were talking a lot about the electrostatic force right and um well, what is the relationship, right, between that and the gravitational mm. force? Interestingly enough, it's mm. literally the same. Yeah, thing. very it's similar. Literally the same very thing. Similar. Like, like the equations, like for, for for those physics guys out there that know the Coulomb's Coulomb's law, probably know from grade twelve first year physics. So Coulomb's law is literally Newton's gravitational law, just changing, you know, the mass for the charge and the universal gravitational constant for the Coulomb constant. So mm-hmm. it's literally the same thing. But again. As I mentioned in the beginning, we're not really going to be talking about the equations itself, but the relationship. So what is the relationship? And again, the fact that gravity, we know gravity has an inverse squared relationship, right? It follows the inverse squared law. So you go two meters away, gravity drops by a fourth. You go four meters away, it drops by a sixteenth, right? So the idea is that that relationship is held in electrostatics Mm -hmm. as well, Yeah. right? So it's inversely proportional to the distance squared between them. So the farther, so if you have two protons or, or I guess let's not get into magnets, but like, if let's say we have two protons not that you really are playing with two protons ever, but that's why the magnet example would be better to explain. But in two protons, for example, the closer they are, the stronger they will feel that repelling, that, that repelling force. Mm-hmm. Right. But what's interesting about this force isn't the fact that there is a force itself, at least to me. What's really interesting about this electrostatic force is how, you know, seemingly like even with gravity, when we have things like, you know, five light years, okay, maybe light years a little too much, but like two astronomical units away, like the sun and let's say Pluto or or like some planets, like two astronomical units away, there's still a force that is attracting them. Now, we've spoken in higher classes about general relativity and stuff like that, but let's just not go there right now. What's interesting about the electric definition is that there is somehow, even with like, if, if let's say they're two astronomical units away, there's still some kind of connection between them. But on gravity, it's understandable because it's space. You're on space. So what's connecting the two? Space. But what's connecting the two charges in the electrostatic force, right? And that would be the electric field. Right. So the interesting thing about the electric field is that it permeates through all of space and the electron is just small excitations in this field. And the posit- and, the, and the proton is similar, again, to do with electric charge. Right. So the fact that they can communicate with each other, even when they're like two astronomical units away. Again, I'm just giving a large distance. It, it, there's no significance to this number whatsoever. But uh, when it's a large distance away, they can still communicate because of the fact that every charge emits a field. And that field, theoretically speaking, resonates through all of space. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's the, that the, the one thing, thing. Yeah. the one thing with that is, uh, yeah, technically, you know, mm-hmm. if there's a charge that's on Pluto right now, it does affect the electrons in your body. It does. <laughs> But if you actually work out the the numbers on it, because you have to plug in like the charge of like over there 
multiplied by the charge over here to calculate the force. As I mentioned earlier, that in SI units, which is, you know, Newtons are in SI. And so if you want to calculate like the force in Newtons, you use that like really small number for charge. And so in comparison, if you have like, like, I don't know, one kilogram attracting another kilogram, the, the gravitational force, it, actually, I, I'm, I'm not even sure this is true, but it just, it, it, in my head, it appears as though the gravitational force is stronger than like, it's literally not, but it's, it's not, thing, it's though. not it's literally the same thing. No, it's not the same, right? I mean, well, because of the units, yes, yes, yeah, because yeah. of the units, it's a lot well, that's only if you're comparing electrons, though. You're comparing know, like something what one I kilogram. To get into, I know, but what I wanted to get into okay. was to be like, oh, it, it appears as though the electromagnetic force is weak and the gravitational force, you know, holds like planets together and all that stuff. But I don't know if I've said this before on the podcast, but if you take like the like the weakest magnet you can find in your house and you attach a paper clip to it, and you like you know you hold it above the earth just know that the electromagnetic force holding up that paperclip from that tiny tiny magnet is stronger than the entire gravitational force of the earth which i think i have said before on the podcast but yeah that's i just recall a, you saying something like that that's just but yeah that's just a fun fact <laughs> yeah i mean that, that's how you can know. understand right because yeah. the distance it's all about that distance yeah because when you're when you're holding it on top of the earth you're 6000 kilometers from the from the center of the earth yeah but when you're when the magnetic clip is literally attached yeah. or or sorry when the metal clip is literally attached to the magnet the distance is well zero right because they're mm -hmm. attached together so like you're compare like i i mean that's that's that comparison mm -hmm. right so there's definitely a difference in force and the interesting thing is that they're kind of based together and that very i don't know if it's a meme or if it's a joke or whatever but it's that very common thing that you know, like um, like Newton writing a paper and then Coulomb yeah. looking over and copying <laughs> yeah. the equation because it's the exact same yeah, equation. It looks it looks the same. Yeah, yeah, because it's again because um, it is, but again that's that's that, that's just a nice, nice thing to see in how how we can compare electrostatics to gravity, right? Something ma macro to micro, so it's just cool. Yeah, here's yeah. a blessing that came down from the sky. Oh my! Literally. <laughs> And that that blessing, I don't know where we would be without it, okay? Okay. But that blessing is superposition. Okay. Because everything, everybody's lives become super, super dumbed down because of superposition, okay? And what is superposition? You have one electron, or let's say you have a charge here, and then that charge creates an electric field. And then you have another charge that you place, and that charge has also its own electric field. Well, guess what? The resulting electric field from both charges is just the first one plus the second one. Now, of course, if the two charges are, you know, one meter apart, then you have to calculate the electric field, um, you know, taking into consideration where you are in reference to each charge because the distance to each of them is going to affect the final effect to the electric mm -hmm. field. But the, the good news is that you literally just have to add them up, you know, one mm. plus one, boom. And you can do this an infinite amount of times. You can literally just 
say, this is my charge distribution. Let's say you have them on the four corners of a cube. And then you can actually take advantage of symmetry very well. Because let's say you you have the eight charges on the four Yo, corners of a cube. What's a charge distribution real quick? Maybe just quick brief. Well, it, I, I, it's like in the word, you know, it's how you distribute the charges in space. It's so they're multiple charges, much, that's the thing, right? So, this, yeah, it's, so now it's we're no longer talking about point charges. Our test charge, we're talking about whole distribution, yeah. right? So you can have like uh, discrete distributions where you have like a finite number of charges. Mm. And uh, like this example, you have the eight charges on the corners of a cube. You want to know the electric field at the center of the cube. Well, you can actually take advantage of the symmetry in this case because no matter how you flip it, it'll be the same, right? So it can't be like, okay, let's say you have, you're, you're solving this problem. You say, okay, the, the electric field at the very center of this cube points downwards, right? Well, here's, here's a counter argument to that. Well, you can say, okay, well, if I flip that cube 180 degrees, is the electric field going to point upwards now? Well, you know, the answer is no. The answer is the electric field in the middle has to be zero because if if it points one way and I flip the entire cube 180 degrees, then it has to, one, point the same way because the distribution looks the same, and it also has to point the other way because I flipped, you know, 180 degrees. And so the only real answer, the only vector that satisfies this proposition is the zero vector. So, boom. Mm -hmm. using symmetry and rotational symmetry and all that stuff you can show that if you have like this symmetric shape the middle is going to have to cancel out the electric field and what about continuous charge distributions there mm -hmm. i think those mm -hmm. th th those get a little cool as well right yeah, yeah. because the advantage or not advantage but the, the the difference is that there's no there's i guess obviously you can still take advantage of symmetry depending on your shape but the difference is that now you don't have individual particles or individual charges that you're adding or subtracting over but you're taking an integral right so you're not like summing up anything you're kind of taking a continuous sum well almost. actually you know you said you said i guess you can still uh like add them up well that's like the most important thing is that you can add them up right mm. because if superposition wasn't a thing then you wouldn't mm. be able to no, really right. get this continuous like the, the easiest distribution is the line distribution i just the, meant you can't discreetly add them line. up but yeah yeah um but what you do is you treat you treat every piece of that line as like a like a, a differential like i'm trying to not use terminology here but like as a as a very small piece of charge and then what you do is you just sum all of those little pieces together and you see what you get. Mm -hmm. and, uh, oh, man, I remember doing this in, uh, in yeah, class. And, and once yeah. again, this, uses, this, this is like using superposition through integration because, mm -hmm. you know, integration, uh, as, we've, we, sorry, as we've mentioned <laughs> before, is, you know, you, you chop everything up into infinitely small pieces and then you add those pieces all together to see what you get in the end. And so what you do to calculate the electric field of a line, you chop it and you say, okay, what is the contribution to the electric field of this tiny piece? 
and of all of these other tiny pieces. And then with superposition, you can say, okay, well, the final result is just going to be the sum of all of that. And that's what integration does. You just sum all of those infinitely tiny pieces together, and then you get a final answer. And then the beautiful part about, uh, about once again, superposition and these continuous distributions is that they can be used to find more complicated charge distributions. So for example, you can calculate the electric field of a ring charge. If you have like a ring, boom, you can do that. And then you can actually use that knowledge of the ring charge to calculate the electric field of a disk. Because that's like, to calculate the electric field of a ring, it's kind of going from point charge to line charge. So you extend that point charge. And then from going from ring to disk, you go from like a one dimensional object to a two dimensional object. So you kind of extend your knowledge in that way. And then uh, of course you can do other things. Uh, another beautiful thing about superposition is that it goes the other way. It runs backwards. So if you have the electric field of a ring or sorry, a disk, and you know the electric field of a infinite plane, then what you can do is you can take a plane and subtract the disk. And now all of a sudden you can calculate the electric field of a plane and you can punch holes into it and you can do whatever you want. And you can, if you know the electric field of any shape for that matter, you can start combining, subtracting, putting all these things together and, you know, all you have to do is put a plus sign or a negative mm -hmm. sign, depending on what you're adding or removing. So yeah. Yeah. So in, in school, we were going through like the electric field of these different systems of charges, right? We were going through the line charge and the disc and stuff like that. And interestingly enough, one thing that we haven't spoken about is the dipole, right? Mm -hmm. The electric dipole. It's a very, mm -hmm. it's a, it's a, it's a very common object. Um, uh, like, you know, it's a very common object that we deal with here. Electric dipole has a positive and a negative charge, and there's a constant flow of electric field, right, from that positive to the negative. Mm. And oh, yeah, we didn't talk about that. We did not talk about that at all, because I, I maybe just like touching into a little bit, because including with this whole electric charge thing, again, is the fundamentals going back into what this electricity is. It's this field, right? It's this field. And what is causing all of these charges? Well, it's these field lines interacting with each other, right? When these, when there's a positive and when there's a negative, there is a constant flow of electric field from one to the other, right? And convention is positive to negative, right? Convention is a line go to yeah. positive to negative. That's yeah. just how we do it. But the idea again is if it's a dipole, it has some electric field distribution. So now we're not only thinking about how the the individual charges are distributed right because that could be important but now we're looking at how the field itself interacts with each other right because when we're talking about individual charges we're just talking about their physical property right like i was saying oh electron proton stuff like I that i mean i don't know the if i agree field, with that i mean no this is not an agree disagree point this is just the this is just pointing no, because... out the fact that the electric field is what is really causing this stuff but right. you, more than you the, still, the, more than you're the still concerned with charges. the electric field in all cases. 
Yeah. Right. No, but I'm talking about so when we're talking the about the charges, like the electric charges and stuff like that, and we're talking about the importance of the charge distributions. I'm just saying that that ties in perfectly with the fact that the electric fields are the one actually doing the entangling, right? And the and the and the um, the superposition, all of that stuff comes from the electric field, comes from the fact that these field lines are interacting with each other, adding, subtracting, stuff like that. Right. Yeah, but you 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 tied it to the dipole as if it mattered. Like it, no, I was just trying to give the dipole as an example because we didn't do it. Yeah, sorry. No, I'm not trying to yeah. tie it to the dipole. I'm just trying to say that the dipole is something that I'm seeing that we haven't spoken about yeah. today. Like the whole uh, positive-negative thing. So I just wanted to add it. And then I wanted to also add this add mm. this field thing. You want to add anything about the dipole? Yeah. Um, well, not really. Because, I mean, the only other thing, like, as you said, it's a positive charge and a negative charge. And then you mm. see, like, what what the electric field is what it creates and all that stuff but everything other than that is just pretty just technical you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. exactly yeah but now understanding these fields now we've understood a little more about their interaction now let's go a little back backtrack a little more into the electricity argument right because we were talking about that we went very theoretical into electrons and electric fields and stuff like that let's get back into the world of electricity and with with like talking about these forces and moving charges and all that stuff, I think it's only fair that we talk a little bit about conductors and insulators. Because I think it's mm-hmm. a perfect transition to talking about, well, what would amplify moving electrons and what would resist moving electrons? Right. So the most common one, well, we can start with conductors, right? We have conductors that are good so we call them good conductors of electricity right what that again basically means is that they are susceptible to electron flow right so any element so for uh, the popular elements i'll give you the popular elements we have copper silver gold aluminum those are the popular elements why because they're because their electron in their very last shell is very susceptible to move is very, very susceptible to move. Now, I'm not saying there are not other elements that can be used. There obviously are. But these are the most commonly used ones and the most effective ones. And we can talk a little bit about them, right? So the most common one is copper. We have copper everywhere. All wires that we see everywhere almost are made of copper, right? Now, the other two, as I mentioned, are gold and silver, which are significantly more expensive. But copper for now is the most effective and cost-effective um conductor in the world of electricity right so again as i mentioned so what is so special about these conductors and or at least let's stick to conductors now what's so special about copper again talking in that going back to that original explanation of how electricity flows that last electron is very susceptible to move so as long as there are enough of these atoms bunched up together which is exactly what is there in a copper wire right it's just a bunch of these copper atoms together So when you have any kind of potential difference, right, which is what causes charges to move. So let's say you take off an electron from one of them. You just take it out, right? Then there's going to be one less here. So then this copper atom is going to want to take it from the guy on the side. And then the next copper atom is going to want to take it from the guy on the side. And then that flow of electron continues. So elements that are susceptible to this flow, that like this flow, are known as conductors, right? Mm -hmm. They conduct the flow of electricity. And uh, you it, might yeah. you might want to pull this up because I know you had our notes open or whatever. Yeah. But conductors actually have a set of properties that are very 
like specific and important. And I remember the first property is that there is no electric field inside a conductor. You're and right. I think the reason is because I think it's like proof by contradiction. Like if there is an electric field inside of a conductor, then it creates a force on the electrons. And then that creates like free energy because your electrons just start like moving within the conductor with, with no like reason. Uh, the second, I mean, I, I think there's like five or something. Do you have them? Well, I mean, I'm say I, I, I just searched the properties of conductors and yeah. I think, I think I know what you're talking about, but like, yeah. yeah, basically one of them is the fact that they can't have an electric charge because then there's that problem. And then the others are basically just talking about the charge of the conductor itself has to be zero. So like the field has to be zero. The, let me just read it off here. So it says the surface of the conductor only on the surface the free yeah. charges exist, which makes sense, yeah. the copper. And then the charge density of the conductor itself is zero, which again makes sense, right? Yeah. It's not giving yeah. out any electric charge. So yeah, so those are basically like the simple properties and what makes up a conductor, right? What we see. And you also may have seen in a lot of, uh, I, don't, I don't know if anyone probably seen CPUs and stuff like that, microchips, you always see them riddled with gold. Right? So gold, interestingly enough, is in fact a better conductor of electricity. No, wait. Silver is the, wait. I'm, I think I think I'm confusing them a little bit, but I, I know, know that well. Gold and silver both both just crazy more expensive than any type of copper, right? Mm -hmm. Now I know for a fact that silver is the best conductor of electricity. What I'm what a kind I'm I'm a little I'm a little dodgy on right now. If it's if 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 it if uh, if gold is better than copper, are you aware of this or I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm, I'm, maybe. Not, I'm, not, I'm not too sure, but, but again, um, the idea is the same. Well, right? it must be. It must be. Otherwise, they wouldn't be using Why would gold. they be using it in microchips? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It must be. It must be better. Exactly. So anyways, as I was saying, uh, they're popularized, you know, in these in CPUs, electrical components, computer components, very, very precise components. And that's, again, why as I'm talking, I'm going to assume that gold is better. Because why would they? Yeah, exactly. Well, they could mm -hmm. just use copper, right? Yeah. So again, it's also, oh, it's also because of the malleability, right? Yeah, yeah. There's also that could be a big reason for why it's used in microchips. Okay, so then maybe there's that's also reason. But anyways, going back to the three, the big three, silver is the best one, right? Silver conducts uh, conducts electricity the best, and it's again, it's all about its relationship between the outer electrons and the atom itself. So how easy can it give the electrons? That's number one. Number two, how packed are the atoms? in the wire that's a big one that's a big one that not a lot of people so it's not only about the susceptible uh, this how susceptible it is to moving the electron but it's also and interestingly enough about how close together these atoms are because i mean if you just think about it right if there are 100 silver atoms versus 200 silver atoms the 200 would be doing more electron transfer closer electron transfer and therefore faster as well right so again it's just it's not about um yeah, so it, it, it's just about their density of atoms in the mm -hmm. uh, in the conductor as well. So th all of these properties make up a decent conductor, and that's basically what it is. Maybe we can go into a little bit of what makes up an insulator. You want to take it? Well, uh, isn't it just, you know, it, <laughs> it's, exactly it, the it's just the opposite. <laughs> the, the, the atoms are just bad at transferring <laughs> electrons, and so you, you don't get that that current flowing through. Um, mm -hmm. things like wood, uh, you paper, know. <laughs> glass, 
plastic like that, things right? like that yeah um there are things known as superconductors mm. which have uh, a very unique property in that like i think i think the the technical property of a superconductor is that it conducts electricity with zero resistance Mm-hmm. which means that there's no loss of energy through like uh, friction and uh, I think it's like the joule heating law I think it's called where like you can cut ca- using like the properties of the wire or whatever you can calculate how much energy you're losing in heat um, but yeah you, you see things like uh, ideas come up like perpetual motion machines um, because there's you know there's no friction and things like trains where you can run like crazy fast trains because you you essentially get like this levitation action going on between between like the two metals or mm-hmm. I, I think it's like sil- silicon s- silicon boron composite something like that not sure uh, i i actually had like a a special lecture on superconductors but i don't exactly remember everything but uh yeah you get like this levitation where once you reach a velocity you can just hold that velocity without using any energy at all which is super broken the one catch Mm -hmm. with uh superconductors is that we don't know how to reach super conductivity at room temperature so we can make superconductors it's just really hard if you there's like this graph that you can search up where uh it's like conductivity versus temperature and you see that when you drop below a certain temperature some materials go from being like go from being like conductive to superconductive mm-hmm. and i don't remember what's the highest temperature that we've reached superconductivity, but it's not that high. And so it's a lot of work to just get to that stage. But that's one of the like, one of the leading uh, research branches that like piques my interest. Because if we do reach superconductivity at room temperature, the things we can do is literally unlimited. Like there's no, there's nothing stopping us from like the ideas aren't even in my head that's how mm-hmm. crazy it is it's like no there are a lot to... of yeah there's a yeah. lot of use for superconductors i mean you you just said the train example like that would be crazy yeah, yeah. A levitating yeah. train and obviously yeah, like, you... like you know and that's totally possible right yeah physically like theoretically speaking as you long just as reach like a, a velocity of like 500 kilometers an hour and then like it doesn't you don't need any more energy and you just mm. hold that velocity all the way through. You can go around the world in like two seconds. Um, yeah. So superconductors right now, as you mentioned, uh, they have that critical temperature, right? Most also ordinary. So we, we didn't even get into resistance really. So all conductors, all, all, all this flow of electrons, there's no, there's nothing perfect, right? Life isn't perfect. We know that the bowling ball isn't perfectly round. The pool cue isn't the pool ball isn't either. We know this. Effect of reality, right? So the the thing is, <clears throat> it's not a what was I talking about? Superconductors. 
resistivity resistance yes i fully glitched out there <laughs> so uh electrons unfortunately do not move straight through a wire completely on un- un- like you know impeded right they can't because there's some and we've already we, we just talked we just spoke about it but there's no there's no dramatic moment anymore but there's some resistance right all current all conductors inherently have some resistance right this is simply because well think about it if you just had one electron just going straight through the wire even though that's not i know that's not even how close to how it works that would have zero resistance but the fact that these electrons are going back and forth between these atoms right now what happens when you take an atom out i mean when you take an electron out you also ionize the atom so sometimes when these electrons are just flying all about in these in these in these wires and in these conductors you don't always have a perfect flow and this is i think i don't think there's a fancy term for this i think it's just called conductor resistance i don't know if there's any fancy thing for it mm-hmm. but again all conductors have some sort of resistance right resistance is measured in the famous uh, SI unit of ohms, right? And interestingly enough, for any system that you make, any circuit that you make, you you will want to inherently put some resistance into it. Now, this is because too much too much potential difference, and there could be cause then and there could be a short circuit, right? Which we didn't even get into, where basically mm. the electrons are. <clears throat> so in any situation where we have resistance not high enough right that means the electrons are not impeded enough by some material they can just fly straight through right now the problem with that is that the the object receiving this electron right because usually in any circuit there's something with the battery and then there's a light bulb or there's an object or there's something that it's connected to right so that thing that it's connected to will receive too many electrons at once to uh, an influx of too many electrons and basically just cut its power out right so that's that's a nice way to think about it and no one wants that to happen so even though conductors inherently have resistance resistance is good it's not bad right because we're talking about superconductors and oh it's so amazing when you have zero it's not bad resistance is not bad you need it right resistance i mean mm-hmm. if you hook up as i mean anyone who's played with circuits any circuitry would know you don't put a resistor you could really mess up your system so you need resistance however in this field where we see you know levitating trains and, and stuff like that like there is where we could i believe even even in mris to to actually uh produce those strong rays they they actually use superconductors again because of the fact that there's no impeded uh, there's no impeded uh there's no impeded flow we can have i'm not going to say infinite power but i'm going to say a lot more power than we would have had if there was some resistance right so that's where resistance plays into it and it is really important so just wanted to just want to clarify that even though superconductors are cool resistance is still important mm-hmm. you know <laughs> want to clarify right. that point one thing that we probably should have talked about earlier is electric potential and yes we didn't talk about is, potential at all this entire episode i i used Man. to hate electric potential a lot but now i like it very much <laughs> oh you like it okay because and here's why okay in electrostatics you have uh like the electric field you have the charge distribution and you have the uh scalar potential and it's like a triangle 
and you have equations that can go between all three of them. So in any problem you get, you can use, like if you have two, then you can, or if you have one, you can go to the other, any two of them. And the beautiful thing about potential is that in electrodynamics, I guess, in electricity, whatever, um, it's a scalar value. And when you get into magnetostatics, it becomes a vector potential, mm-hmm. which is a lot weirder to get your brain wrapped around. But let's just stick to electrostatics right now. Um, the You can kind of think about the electric potential. I think about it as gravitational potential. And how you do this is you imagine... You imagine a three-dimensional map with your charges. And so imagine you just have a point charge. The map of this electric potential would be like a, like a cone, you know, but like a curved cone. This is hard to describe, <laughs> but, but with, with, with the charge at the very top. Because uh-huh. remember, in every direction that you choose to go away from this charge, the force or the electric field dies down as one over R squared, R being the distance. And so if you can imagine one over R squared, the graph of that, and then make that like a three-dimensional thing, that's the shape that I'm describing right now. And so the electric potential, how I visualize it, is how... How high are you on that mountain, right? Because the, the closer you get to the charge, the higher up on the mountain you are, the higher the electric potential is. But remember, it's, it's not a vector, it's just a number. And so you can do things with the electric potential, like, for example, um, actually, this is a bad example, never mind. <laughs> um, but I, I did want to continue on this, on this like map analogy. Because there are, like, it helps you understand problems that, like, if you don't really get this picture, like, to me, I remember, like, I said two, like, two minutes ago, I said I hated vector, or, sorry, I hated electric potential when I was learning about it. Because I remember I was in, um, I was in a lab last year, or two years ago, and my TA was like, yeah, the vector potential, sorry, I keep saying vector potential. I mean, the, the electric potential is really useful because it's just like, it's the gradient of the electric field. And me not knowing what the gradient was, I was like, okay, nice. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, wait, is that right? Did I say that wrong? No, sorry. The, the electric field is the gradient of, is the, is the negative gradient of the potential. And the, the reason, like, God, I... I remember being in that position saying, I have no idea what that means. And now I'm in the position of the TA trying to explain what that means. And it's not easy (laughs) Um, because (laughs) from their perspective, it's really different. Because it's, it's like the, the mountain analogy is so beautiful because once you get it, like it makes so much sense. And here's an example of like a problem where this mountain analogy plus superposition can help you so much. Okay. Remember, let's have like a square distribution of point charges. 
each one of these charges has its own like mountain, right? And with superposition, what you do is you just, you add the heights, right? Like let's say you wanna know the, the, the potential at some point in between these charges, what you do is you just add the, the potential from each one, okay? And so the map would look like, you know, this like four peaked mountain and it's symmetrical on all sides. And once again, I don't know if, if uh, the listeners took a listen to the episode where we talked about gradient, but the gradient is a vector that tells you the direction and the amount by which your graph is increasing the most. And mm. so if you think about this mountain that I created <laughs> in my head with the four charges, in the very center of this of this uh, shape, you would have like a flat spot, right? Because you have these four mountains and then they, de they decrease as they come together, but it's symmetrical. And so in the middle, you'd have this flat spot. So the gradient would actually be zero. Mm -hmm. And so as I talked about before the cube, the electric field in the middle would actually be zero because you get the equal contribution from every direction. But this also applies, I remember we were doing this exact problem that I'm about to describe. We did this in a problem set where you have two charges and you send a test charge. The question was, at what velocity do you have to send the test charge so that it lands perfectly in equilibrium in between the two charges that were placed? Well. If you don't think about this using the mountain analogy, it's kind of weird because you have two charges and then, you know, you as you're sending in your third charge, you have like some impedance because of the the electric force that's stopping it. Well, you, I'm asking for the velocity, the exact velocity that you need so that it stops perfectly in between. And so if you imagine it like the mountain, you just say, OK, well, uh, this quote unquote gravitational potential you can solve it as like a kinematics question where you like you roll you roll your your charge up the mountain and see how you can balance it right in between yeah mm -hmm. yeah i know i mean that that's a really nice way to think about this <clears throat> jesus what happened <clears throat> yeah that's a nice way to think about uh charge in this in this particular way right because we were talking because potential is something that we just completely skipped over and i'm glad that we had that covered Right. Especially that mountain analogy. I really, really appreciate it. We were talking about in, in class and stuff like that. It always helps. Who doesn't it? Right. But one thing just before we cut off this episode, I did want to get into is a very fundamental idea of electricity. And I think a lot of our listeners, even the non-physics ones might appreciate this. Static versus current. Right. That's the big question. Everyone's like, what in the hell is this thing? That shocks me every winter morning, right? Like, it's a, it's a common question. And and static electricity just fundamentally is different from current. And I just wanted to just, just, just briefly talk a little bit about that, right? So, current electricity, also known as dynamic electricity. I don't know if it's actually known like that, but I know it like that because the difference is, again, static and dynamic. So, what's the difference? So, in static electricity... The reason it's called static is because there's not really a flow of current. Now, there is current, and I'm going to explain the whole thing in a second, but there isn't a lot, 
right? So it's so the there's no flow of current. Now in current electricity, you do. Now, that's why I didn't want to use the word current, and I want to use dynamic electricity. But it technically it is called current electricity. So I'll continue with that. But now in current electricity, however, that's not the case because we have current actually flowing between the battery and let's say the generator, let's say the light, let's say whatever in your house, right? The lamp, whatever. There's some flow of current. So what is the static electricity, right? Just brief here. So all atoms we know in our body are neutral, right? I hope so. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not ions here. However, due to friction, right? Just walking on a carpet, walking. And that's why carpet inherently has more friction than wood. That's why it rubs off on carpet easier. So let's say we're wa walking on any material that has high, high levels of friction. What that basically does to the atoms in our body is remember, as I mentioned before, the electrons all the way on the outside. So the protons and neutrons aren't going anywhere. Those guys are very, very comfortable, right? The electrons are always, always, you know, looking for places to go. Why not? Stuff like that. Now, remember, we're still neutral atoms. So the electrons and number of protons are, are the same. They should be. However, when we, you know, walk, let's say cause friction, when there's something that pulls an electric, it can pull, it can pull an electron off of the atom that we are walking. So let's say we have, again, not a very well, good way of explaining it. As I'm walking, I'm, as I'm walking with my socks, again, increases your friction. As I'm walking with my socks, there are atoms at the bottom of my sock, right? As I'm walking on the carpet, the electrons from those atoms of the socks are now being pulled and being stuck to the carpet. They're getting stuck on the carpet. Now, even though I'm a, I'm a neutral person, my sock is still neutral, there is now a buildup of positive charge. So, if I were to ever go to any um, object that has a buildup of negative charge, such as a metal, for example, a metal, the corners, the corners of any metal is where the electrons can jump. So what is actually happening is really, really simple. Electrons from your sock. Okay, yeah, let's just continue <laughs> with the sock. Electrons from your sock have gone into the, onto the carpet. So now you're positive. So when your hand is coming close to the metal that has excess electrons, the electron will jump onto your sock. Just quickly do a quick little jump onto your sock. Onto your hand, no? Well, technically on your hand, yes. No, 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 because you're, you're holding it with your hand. You're not really holding yeah. it with your sock. But <laughs> I, what I mean is, yes, it will jump on your hand. The idea that I'm trying to get here is that you are now a positively charged person, even though you are technically neutral, just because of those electrons rubbing off due to friction. So anything that you touch that has an excess amount of electrons will then simply jump onto your body. Now, the reason it's called static is because the only thing that's really moving are electrons jumping from one another. It's not a flow of electrons. It's just excess electrons jumping from one place to another. So that is why, interestingly enough, you can't really get hurt by static electricity. It'll cause a shock for sure, but you can never die off of it. Also, because water, we have water in our bodies. Right, oh, very very I, bad conductor of electricity there. I think so not really going to do much from uh, lightning though. Seventy percent of people survive, but you, from lightning. Thirty percent die. Thirty percent die. So that's still static <laughs> Wait, electricity. 
<coughs> so let's continue on that. You kind of got ahead there. <laughs> lightning, right? So lightning is also a form of static electricity, right? Now, how is lightning static? You must ask. I see those damn currents. Isn't that a current? No, no, no. That's not current. Now, this is where it gets cool. So lightning is very, very, very similar, right? As it, as the clouds are being formed in the sky and like, <clears throat> any situation is arising, there is going to be a, a, a split of charges where the negative charges build up on the bottom of the cloud, the heavier, no, the positive build up on the bottom and the negative build up on the top or something like that. Some distribution because one is heavier than the other. Now, what this causes, again, it's simply about how many electrons are jumping from one space to another. It's, 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 that's all it is. So when the bottom of your cloud, right, is now lack, is lacking electrons, the exact same thing happens. It's like my hand and the doorknob. So when it finds, like, for example, a tree is a common thing that a lightning strikes simply because it's tall. Right. So the thing that closest to the ground that it can attach is where the electrons will go to. What will the electrons jump onto? Well, sometimes you might even notice static electricity. You don't even have to touch it. You can just be close and it'll just jump. And you see those arcs, those arcs of electricity. Right. It'll just jump straight through, which is really cool. And that exactly is lightning. That is exactly what lightning is. It finds the closest spot to discharge. It's 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 positively charged. Uh, object, right? Very straightforward. A lightning rod, what it does is it basically, it kind of asks the lightning, hey, why don't you come to me? I dare you to come to me. So what the lightning rod does is instead of basically, you know, harming the house and harming your building or anything like that, it has a wire that goes straight to the ground. So the moment the lightning connects with the lightning rod, which is basically a metal, it's just a, it's just a tall metal piece. When it connects with that lightning rod, it just goes straight to the ground. So it doesn't harm the building or anything like that. So that's the idea of static electricity. I just wanted to get that out there because I think it's a very common, not misunderstanding, but just people just don't understand it. <laughs> They're like, well, mm. what is this thing? Right. And mm. I don't know that. I, I hope that explanation was decent. I think it was <laughs> fumbled a little bit there with that whole sock analogy, but I think, I think that <laughs> made a little bit of sense, right. For those people. And I just wanted to get out there that lightning itself, even that that crazy thing that we see is nothing else but just static discharge. It's just releasing its electrons or taking electrons and that's all it's doing. So when it actually hits you, the reason 70% of people survive is also, I mean, I guess 30% people dying is not a very good number. <laughs> it's, it's still a pretty scary number, you know? <laughs> yeah. But those 70% that do happen to survive say that, well, again, it's not the current, right? It's not the current, it's the temperature. It's the oh, yeah. number of electrons because what exactly is happening? It's literally heating up the air around you, right? To cause this, ele these electrons from moving because of the amount of electrons that are there, right? It's not like your static discharge from your carpet to your sock. I'm talking about thousands and billions and billions of these atoms mm. that are wanting to discharge onto the ground, right? So that's where your lightning becomes so ferocious, but don't be scared by it. It's just another phenomenon of physics. That's all mm. it is, right? So that's that static part. And current, I mean, not that I really have to explain it. It's just, well, the current is where it actually flows, right? Where you actually have electrons flowing from a negative terminal to a, of a battery to, let's say, a positive or something like that. You have a flow of charge. So that's your difference. Just wanted to touch on that for those listeners out there. So, yeah. 
yep. seems as though we are slowly yet effervescently approaching the end of our episode today. I think we had every. I think we spoke about everything we wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we did. There might we be did. a part two to this episode. Magnets. AKA oh yes, for sure, for sure. That would be really the, cool. The That'd second, be really cool. the second half of electromagnetism. Mm-hmm. How are they connected? Also, all questions that we will address later on. So yeah, if you enjoyed episode number 69 of the math and physics podcast make sure to follow make sure to subscribe and come and like the video leave a comment share this with all two of your friends all two of your friends (laughs) i'm kidding (laughs) so mean uh no but also follow us on instagram math.physics.podcast we all we do all of our updates over there Anything you want to find out about us, DM us. Yeah. Hit us up on Instagram. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. And uh, yeah, so this has been the Math and Physics Podcast. I am your host, Parker. And I'm Ray. And we will see you soon. Bye, guys.